Hi there, and thanks for joining us. On this podcast, we talk about superfast broadband and its rollout in Cork. We hear about the coffee truck that is as good at hurling as it is at baking cakes and the threat to small and medium enterprises from cyber criminals. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast. Broadband became really, really important over the last 12 months. Can't imagine why. Uh, But access to really good broadband is going to become a lot more important in the years ahead because working from home is going to become more significant and more regular. And if you are indeed a business, you want to make sure you have access to the fastest speeds possible. Well, my next guest is one of the people who has made it their mission to ensure that homes have the best quality broadband. I'm delighted to be joined by Ronan Whelan, who is the Chief Commercial Officer with CSIRO. Uh, Ronan, how are you? Jonathan, it was uh, great and good to be on your show today, yeah. Thanks so much for joining us. We met when you launched in Cork because uh, I remember it was 2018 uh, when we didn't even know what a pandemic was and we we were talking about rolling it out to, I can't remember how many homes, but not a huge amount of them, um, but you've made great progress since. Yeah, like I think you're you're talking about July 2018. We said we'd uh, invest 60 million euro uh, in the rollout of it. So we've we've made great progress. Uh, to date, we've built about 45,000 premises with fibre to the to the the premises, which is gigabit speed. So it's like 10, 20 times faster than what people are experiencing at the moment. We hope to build another about 10 to 15,000 by the end of this year. It brings up to about 60, um, uh, with an overall goal of getting to 70,000 within the Cork region. So that's kind of our core plan. Uh, so we've built, uh, Jonathan, we've built in Carragig Line, Ballinacolleg, uh, Skibbereen has probably been in the press a lot, Cork City, Little Island. So we've been in a lot of locations within Cork. So yeah, we're delighted with the progress within Cork. Uh, the infrastructure became really important, as I said, in the last 12 months, hasn't it? Because uh, the idea of having great broadband in the offices is a given, but not everybody had great broadband at home. Uh, absolutely. I think the, for all of us, the world has really changed. Uh, obviously, we're all working from home as per this phone call here uh, now, this interview. Uh, I think even for Cork in the region, there's so many multinationals uh, down in Cork and, 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 and the economy is so heavily reliant on it. It's so important that they have, people have access, great access at home. Uh, I think even to keep your kids quiet as well, you, you certainly need it. Uh, so there's a bit of a mixed bag in there from video streaming, moving online, but Zoom calls are standard now. We're all on them. So without really high quality broadband that Cyro supplies at fiber speeds, this is what you really need. So. I'd really encourage people to go on Syro.ie and check out their air code and see if they can get it online. But uh, yeah, it's 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 massive change, all right. Was the rollout that you had planned impacted by COVID? Uh, because there presumably were times when your crews couldn't go out. You're you're obviously vital infrastructure, and you're you're run by the ESB in partnership with Vodafone. But uh, did did it affect your plans to to get it to more people? I think in terms of how sales have gone during the period, uh, I think humbly we are very lucky that sales have been great during this period because people have required it. So we've connected a lot of customers during this period. However, in terms of building the network, uh, certainly that's been more challenging because we would have to do uh, ESB electrical outages in certain locations to do it. So they've been put on hold. So we'd be probably a little bit slower in terms of building out the network, but connecting customers much faster. Uh, So some pluses and minuses and as i said we're humble on that uh, success that we've had during this period because it's been tough on a lot of businesses during this period 
the technology is, is relatively new still, um, but it's a really competitive space because I, I know in some places where you have rolled out with your, with your product, uh, there are lots of others there as well. Air would have a product there. Uh, maybe Virgin Media would have a product uh, coming in uh, on top of existing mobile phone providers. And let's face it, lots of them have rolled out 5G as well. It's going to become a really crowded marketplace. How are you going to stay on top of that? It's it's critical uh, technology and it's critical infrastructure to Ireland. Where we believe there's certainly we've built three hundred and seventy five thousand uh, locations already. We're probably getting to about four twenty, four fifty by the end of this year. Uh, so we're very comfortable and and uh, with our performance state, and it's been really successful. So there's definitely room for all and people, consumers and businesses need need competition and they need choice. So certainly we are the challenger that supplies that choice. And without it, I don't think you'd see the level of fiber infrastructure happening without a sorrow in the marketplace. How worried How worried are you, though, uh, about the likes of Elon Musk putting up Starlink, which hasn't launched here yet, but in theory is going to be um, an alternative for consumers in the future? I mean, do you think that we will always have a, a physical permanent link for it to be reliable? Or, or, or are you going to see some of your market share being nibbled away uh, quite literally from space? Uh, listen, I think I think technology technology is always anything's possible. So and and Elon Musk has certainly been successful in many different areas. So uh, you'd certainly have to take it seriously. However, if you look at the investments across all multinationals and telcos across the entire planet, it's all on fiber to the premises. And this the technology that Cyro is rolling out, uh, and it's uh, it's been a significant investment. And the, the capability and the future proofing of this technology is, is insane. So we deliver one gigabit technology at the moment to businesses and to consumers. So that's 20 times probably faster than what people are, are securing at home. But that can go up to 10 gigs, 40 gigs, 100 gigs. So it's really limitless, Jonathan. And so from that perspective, it really protects and future-proofs Cork and future-proofs Ireland as well. So, yeah, we're, we're very comfortable on it. I remember when a gigabit uh, was installed in a building and everyone went, oh, that sounds like loads, we'll never use it. Um, but already we know gigabit is is almost the kind of the basic entry point, particularly if you're a heavy user, uh, of which there are many and many more to come. Are you saying that the tech that you've already put up into these homes, you're going to be able to provide 10 gigabits, 50 gigabits more if needed without having to put new infrastructure in place? 100%. We will actually launch 10 gigabit technology uh, to consumers in certain locations this year. So this isn't a pipe dream of something down the track of teleco uh, selling uh, dreams. Uh, this is a reality and it's available now and it doesn't require us to do any any upgrades within the houses and all that kind of stuff so it's once the fiber is in place uh you've, you've got the hard work done uh so uh, hugely important how important is it that that you have that partnership that i mentioned that esb parted with vodafone two big players kind of you know it's like seeing two people at a wedding that you wouldn't have seen as a couple <laughs> but yet there you are uh you know vodafone have the communications experience esb have the polls um yeah. how useful has that been Oh, it's been incredible, to be honest with you. Like, they're two different cultures, but at the same time, ESB and Vodafone have huge credibility. And when you're setting up a telco, which we were from brand scratch new, uh, to have that credibility on rollout, hugely important. To have Vodafone as a retail partner and pushing uh, broadband sales, particularly at the start stages, uh, was so important. Uh, and they've also, to be fair to Vodafone, they've been big drivers of gigabit speeds and driving that speed agenda within the marketplace. So really important. 
Uh, Credibility-wise, ESB, you know when you're rolling out an infrastructure, the access to that infrastructure is so important. So we have access to the ducts and the poles and that kind of stuff. So that gives us a real advantage. And it's built, it's really high quality stuff. So it's not falling down poles across Ireland type stuff. It's all really well invested and maintained infrastructure. Yeah, and and uh, I keep rolling it out because there is more need for it. Um, where does this go? Because we, we saw in the last 12 months an increased reliance, as I said, on the internet. Did you see that? Did you see why there's a there's a massive spike in demand for uh, for data? You, you know, could you could you see the metrics coming through? I know internet data providers uh, will have been looking after it, but uh, as the people firing the po- the cables along, could could you see a huge jump in, in usage last year? Yes, we could. Uh, uh, certainly, we've seen significant uplifts, and that, and it's and, and absolutely through lockdown, you can absolutely see massive changes in what people are using uh, in terms of data. It's also the platforms that people are using. We're constantly on, as you say, everyone's streaming uh, videos and everyone's on conference calls. And then, future-wise, uh, AI and uh, those type of technologies are going to become standard at home. So, you really need a high-speed gigabit-type technologies to allow those to happen. So, yeah, we've, we, we've certainly forecast that. We also probably forecast, Jonathan, the copper infrastructure. So the copper infrastructure has sort of served Ireland very well for, for, for a long time, uh, but it's, it's pretty much dead at this particular stage, and, it needs, and it's, been, uh, it's been replaced over time from all the, the carriers, including Syro and Air and uh, the MBI. Uh, so, yeah, this is, this is the future, and I think it's important to say that 50% of the country now has the potential to connect to FTTP. So even though it's a challenge for people that don't have the service, it's it's certainly uh, we've seen tremendous growth in availability of it. I think within three years, we'll see that transition to 100% fiber across the country. Uh, so that, okay. that's that's where we're going. Well, as somebody living in a black spot, I think that's a very, very good plan. Uh, you, you've announced uh, where, where you are um, and, and you're successfully offering the service. Where's next on the list? Uh, yeah, so so we've done so 375 premises uh, premises across 5,000 premises, not just 375. Uh, and we we'd like to do 420, 450 by the end of this year. Uh, from that, we're we're certainly going to look at what other options are available within Ireland, and uh, uh, certainly we'd like to be in a position, given the success of Phase One, it probably sets us up well to to, to do more. Uh, but certainly, that's what we will that would be in our intent to try and to drive more growth. Uh, but commercially okay. not available just yet, uh, Jonathan. All right. Well, look, uh, on behalf of uh, the the uh, people who sat down and watched entire box sets <laughs> while also managing Zoom calls and keeping the kids quiet, thank you for the effort you put in over the last 12 months, particularly during lockdown. Rhoda Wheeler, Chief Commercial Officer of Syro. Thanks for joining us on Red Thanks, Business. Thanks, Jonathan. Take care of yourself. Bye. Red Business. All that's best about business in Cork. One of the latest additions to Cork's very, very broad tapestry of food and beverage outlets are these wonderful caravans that are rolling out right around the country, um, producing some really good stuff. And my next guest is the owner of one said same vintage van. It's a it's a Citroen HY. I don't know what that is, but I'm sure that Siobhan Quirko Halpine of the Quirky Kitchen is going to tell me all about it. Siobhan, how are you? I'm very well, Jonathan. Thanks. How are you, Keith? I'm good. What is a, a Citroen HY? A Citroen HY, it's an old um, vintage French um, van. It's an industrial kind of working vehicle. 
that have made it back in the 1940s, 50s, they kind of started production of them. So you'd see them around France back in the day, kind of delivering bread to the boulangerie or you'd see them um, going to the butchers. They were used for all sorts of industrial kind of activities and um, very kind of sturdy looking buses. So um, kind of the galvanized metallic finish. So um, when I was first looking into the idea of getting a, a mobile coffee truck, um, this was the one I really wanted because I wanted a real vintage look. So um, the HY Citroen was perfect for me. So the, my one's actually 1974 and um, it came all the way over from France. Uh, I sourced it in France. So um, finally, it took a few years to get the right one because they're actually quite rare. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm looking at a picture mm -hmm. of it here. I mean, I, I recognize them instantly from old French films and stuff like that. But I'm presuming, given that it is older than you or I, this particular van, uh, it needed a bit of, of TLC to get it right to sell coffee out of it. It did, yeah, yeah. So it took, um, so I bought it in July of 2020. Um, but eventually came across France through the UK and into Ireland. And then I had to get it customized to um obviously I had to get it kitted out for HSE requirements, you know, kind of stainless steel and health and safety and all that is paramount when you're dealing with food and all that kind of stuff. So um so that took longer than expected. So it was about three months really. Um three to four months. I bought it in July, so it was a kind of October, November by the time it was kind of kitted out and then you've all these hidden things, like obviously you need a coffee machine, that was the, the most important factor. So and then you have the hidden kind of things that you don't even realize when you're starting out, like, you know, just all the different supplies and stocks and every day you've realized you've forgotten something. So that kind of delays the process as well. But um, it all came together eventually. So um started up and running then the first week of December. So it kind of hit the ground running with the kind of Christmas market. Yeah. Which is great. Um, so I started out, my, my uncle has a farm in, in Shannon, down the, the gateway to West Cork, as they call it. So, um, so I started, he does a Christmas tree farm every Christmas, obviously. So I started up there and, um, I haven't, uh, looked back since. Okay. It's going great. It's now, what, life. was this your plan, Siobhan? Did you always have a plan, uh, to sell coffee out of the back of a rejuvenated French bread delivery vehicle? Um, not necessarily, no, but I've always had a keen interest in food and cooking and baking. I've, just since I was a kid, it's been a fascination, passion of mine. Um, and I suppose growing up in West Cork as well, it's synonymous with like quality produce and homemade and artisan products. So it's kind of inevitable really that um, I had an interest in, yeah. in all that. So um so yeah it was, it kind of was, it was a, it's a lifelong dream of mine so um from kind of watching my mum and my granny kind of baking in the kitchen and cakes and stuff it's uh garnered a real interest in in food and um i'm just super excited now that it's it's come to realization and i'm now kind of living the dream and um what? reviving the creative streak in our family you know well you're you're doing well out of it as i said you're doing the teas and the coffees uh, you're doing the baking as well you're on your feet a lot though i'm guessing because if you have to bake your own stuff that has to be done before you get into the van drive it to the location stand in the back of it and start selling so i, I i'm presuming it's a labor intensive business this this out of the back of a van 100%. job absolutely i mean it's it's a labor of love but it's 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 a labor like i'm really enjoying it as i said people say 
flippantly that they're living the dream, but I am genuinely living the dream at the moment. Like so, um, but yeah, it is busy. I mean, people probably see you um, with cues and like saying, "Jesus, she must be making a fortune," but they don't like they don't see the all the hard work and effort that goes in behind the scenes. And you know, you have to um, find your supplies and uh, like just there's always something to be done. Mm. And then cleaning up afterward, like. Cleaning up for about an hour. Yeah, well, no, I, I, don't, don't forget, nobody wants the joy of cleaning up. That always has to be somebody else. Yeah. Now, I, I, I'm a well-known coffee phobe. I, I don't drink coffee. I, it, it's just something I don't do. And I don't know, that makes me rather unusual. Um, but as a tea drinker, it always drives me mad how long it takes to make a cup of coffee. Have you become better at it and faster at it? You see, you, I know people get frustrated with the weight, but... You can, genuine, you can actually really speed it up. It takes as long as it takes, like, and it's actually quite scientific, coffee. And there's, like, you actually have a recipe for a coffee and you have to adhere to that, otherwise it will affect the taste and the standard of your, your end product. So patience is a virtue in the coffee world and um, usually it's worth the wait. In my opinion, anyway. yeah. Well, no, and, and look, they wouldn't be queuing if they didn't think it was going to be worthwhile. And given that it's a family business, how, who have you roped in to help you? Um, well, I'm the creative director, <laughs> and then my husband then is the he's the financial director, right? Okay, and you bet you better tell everyone who your husband is. Oh, my husband, um, he used to play Hurley McCork, um, I think he was actually the last. All-Ireland winning captain, so oh, he, Sean O'Gohalpin. He's still saying that, is he? He's still using that out loud, that he's the last fella yeah, to lift. Yeah, the... <laughs> well, I'm using it for him, he's too modest. <laughs> and what does Sean O'Gohalpin do? Yeah. He looks after the finances, but does he actually help out in the back he, of the truck? He does, actually, yeah, so he, he takes the money. <laughs> he takes the money and he, uh, he'll wrap up your sweet treats for you and um, service with a smile. And, oh, he's he's great at the customer service. When it's raining, he brings out the umbrellas and he'll stand and hold the umbrellas over our customers. Well, as I said, useful so, as, useful as a small part then, uh, with you doing all the heavy lifting oh, yeah, behind I him. I know, it's it's the little PR touches that count as well, you know, Jonathan. So he's... Um, very uh, valuable addition. Good, good. Well, hold on to him, so you won't get rid of him just yet. Um, I, the only thing I'd say about it is there's lots of these after starting. Uh, um, and it's it's great because we're, we have a summer of outdoors, God willing, coming up in the next couple of months. So you're going to be really, really busy. But is there an etiquette yeah. around coffee trucks uh, and food trucks that, you know, uh, do you end up like, like like the scene in Anchorman where you've got the news teams kind of facing off against each other or or how do you manage if two of you rock up to the same location at the same time? Oh, yeah, a bit like truck wars, I know. Um, coffee gate, I suppose. Um, it'll probably happen eventually, but I know it's it's all good. People kind of are, are quite respectful of each other. Like, obviously, you don't kind of park up down the road like Maybe you could serve complementing products, but you wouldn't serve kind of competing products, you know, that kind of way. Do you know the way, like, say, down in Garethstown, now you'd have, like, a donut guy or you'd have a, a pizza guy, and sometimes they'd add to your to your uh, product mm. or your, your offering. So, yeah, there's an etiquette, like, it's an unwritten rule, really, I suppose, that, like, you know, you don't pull up and start serving the exact same kind of thing like yeah and um, but you you are mobile so do you keep moving to different locations or do you have set locations on set days no that was a lot the, the initial plan was to kind of move around kind of the Kinsale in a Shannon area but um just with COVID and stuff at the moment we um we secured a, a, a patch in 
Barrett's Bar there in Main Street in the Shannon, you know, the courtyard. So we're passing by. You can't miss it. This big yellow pub, orangey yellow pub um, on the left-hand side driving towards West Cork. So we're going to stay there for the, the next while anyway and kind of um, see how we go and what the feedback from the customers is because we're after building up a clientele of regulars now as well and don't want to necessarily be moving on and kind of, you know, annoying them if they come down looking for you oh, you're not there no, no, God, yeah, away. oh, tool, you don't want to scorn the customers but uh, it's, it's, a, it's obviously the quirky it's kitchen awesome. named after yourself because uh, you, you are Siobhan Quirk O'Halpine so the name the name is 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 your brand and your quality is this for the long yeah. haul do you think Siobhan? Definitely, no, this is the, this is I mean for, for the long haul for sure um, I've been waiting years to use my surname in a, in a business <laughs> So uh, I was like, I have to do the quirky something like and being so into food and coffee and all that. I was like, oh, yeah, quirky kitchen. That's it. Well, look, we w- um, we wish you and your your helper, uh, Sean Og, uh, the best of luck as you uh, continue to go down on this. And look, I one of these days when, God willing, I'm getting down to West Cork at some stage over the summer. I look forward to coming in and uh, tasting the produce from uh, from your truck and indeed the many others that are across Cork. But for now, Siobhan Quirko-Halpine, owner of the Quirky Kitchen, which at this moment in time is parked up in Inishannon. Thank you so much for joining us on Red Business. You're welcome. Thanks, Jonathan. Take care. Have a good day. Red Business. Cork's exclusive business podcast. Over the next few months, we're going to transition from working from home full time to maybe going back to the office for a bit to maybe going back to the office full time. And eventually it'll all measure out. But one of the things that probably has been overlooked in the last 12 months is how well we manage our own cybersecurity and that of the companies we work with. Have cyber criminals seen an opportunity in a crisis for them to do what they do well? Kevin O'Regan is a director of Radius Cork. He's with me now. Kevin, how are you? Hi, Jonathan. How are things? I'm good. Thank you very much for talking to us. Has there been a big increase in, in breaches in the last year? And have cyber criminals been using the opportunity of people working from home to do that? Oh, I, I think uh, I think absolutely. I think the you know some of the statistics out there would 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 um, would follow that up. Um, you know, some of the numbers we're seeing would be up to thirty or forty percent increase in the number of cyber attacks and breaches. Um, in the SME sector in the last year. Um, and I think that part of the reason for that is that, um, you know, cyber criminals, they, they thrive on confusion and they thrive on change. <clears throat> so in, in that period, um, you know, over the last year, we've just been doing things differently. You know, th- things are not the same. So because of that, cyber criminals are able to jump in and take advantage of that. Yeah, definitely. So how did they do that? I mean, is it the fact that maybe security on your home Wi-Fi mightn't be as good as it would be, say, if you were sitting in an office behind their firewall? Yeah, um, I suppose if, if you kind of look at the story of what happened over the last 12 months, when the pandemic hit first, um, everybody, you know, all, all business owners, their first objective was to send people home. And uh, Microsoft uh, did another um, survey recently, and they found surprisingly that uh, they interviewed 500 people over 200 uh, companies, and they found that up to 45% of employers requested that uh, employees use their home devices or home PCs to work from home. And I suppose that that's that's the first um, you know would be would be a first no-no f- for for employers that uh, you know they they really shouldn't ask their their employees. Uh, to work from home using home devices. So um, because you have a change in environment, 
um, and because you've, you've you've a change in in systems, the um, the the exposure is very high. So so typically, uh, what we saw when when um, SMEs did move home is they were very conscious of setting up a secure connection into their IT systems in their office. But if the device that they use is compromised, then that secure tunnel or what we call a VPN is is completely unsecure. So so the very first thing to look at is is your devices that you're using. You know, don't don't share devices. Uh, don't um, don't use home devices. If your employer wants you to work from home, and I would say to employers, if you want your your staff to work from home, you need to provide them with with secure secure devices. So that's the number one would be to uh, to make sure that your devices uh, are not shared, and mm. if they have to be shared, at a minimum, make sure that all your family members are using separate profiles. Okay, now that, that that's all well and good. We're 12 months into this. How much damage could potentially have been done that people aren't aware of right now? Because cyber criminals tend not to jump up and go, ha I got you. Uh, they tend to bide their time. No, absolutely. And I think they're the, they are the most dangerous type of attacks where, um, you know, where a, a breach has occurred and the, the cyber criminals uh, take their time to, I suppose, assess uh, the, the information and, and assess what's going on. There's probably two types of attacks that are most critical for uh, for SME owners. Number one is where um, what we call a man in the middle attack, where the cyber criminal pretends to be somebody uh, that they're that the employer or the employee is familiar with and attempts to fool them into into doing certain activities. For example, transferring funds. Um, and in that situation, there's a lot of profiling goes on. And in the other scenario, probably ransomware is probably the second most uh, um, uh, really, really concerning type of attack. And in that situation, uh, the cyber criminal will spend a lot of time, you know, searching his way through the environment and making sure he understands, um, you know, where the critical data is. And then and then they pull the trigger and they they encrypt the data. So so certainly. you know, in a lot of cases, um, the profiling is already done, but it's never too late uh, to go in and to do an analysis and a re- review and do a, you know, what we would call a cybersecurity mm. audit to go in and assess uh, what type of information is there. I, I know that uh, the, the, head, the head of the okay. FBI a number of years ago, he, he specified there really only are two types of companies uh, in the world today when it comes to um, a cybersecurity, those who know that they've been breached and those who don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, they say the same about helicopter pilots and crashes. But if if we talk about small and medium enterprises, a lot of the time, what they say is, uh, "Sure, we're okay. Nobody wants our information." But we we've seen a couple of high profile breaches, and we know the damage that they can cause to reputation. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you know we work with the with the S, with the SME sector across Ireland and. We have a really good understanding of the concerns that the SME owners have, and I think there's probably four main concerns that that are out there right now. Would be uh, cyber threats for home working, um, you know, productivity of their staff. Uh, employers want their staff to be productive uh, from no matter where they work. They want efficiency for their staff. They want them no matter where they work from. They want them to be able to to be 100% productive, and also that level of flexibility. Um, and I think just going back to to to, to your question, Jonathan. Um, there's probably two types of cyber attacks out there, right? There's the top end enterprise cyber attack, which we would call a focused attack. But then there's the random uh, type attack, which is more more to do with the SME sector. It's it's kind of where I suppose you know the, an opportunity presents itself to a cyber criminal. Um, and in that situation, 
it's a random attack and and for example uh, a, a ransomware attack where the cyber criminal requests um uh, a, a ransom to be paid paid so that uh, all their the, the employer's data would be returned to them it would be the typical type of attack where it's random it, it, there's very little profiling going on but the result for the business owner is absolutely critical because their business is completely down um unless uh, they they have got solid backups and they rec can recover their business um so um, a random attack can be detrimental to to any uh, business owner okay um so what's the most important thing that em that employers and business owners need to do right now if they are in that sme space which is the group that you work with primarily uh, what can they do now to protect themselves and, and maybe to prepare themselves for as what you say is the inevitable attempt to rob information well, I think, look, uh, if you look at the, his, the, the story, again, that I happened, we all, we all moved home very quickly. We thought it was going to be for eight to 12 weeks. Uh, business owners put in some temporary um, type solutions, remote connection from laptops into their, into their servers or their on-premise networks in their office. That initially was there as a kind of an eight to 12 week solution when this pandemic hit. We're, we're a year down the road. We can see now that the, the work patterns are changing, requirements are going to change. I think that uh, the most important thing that, that business owners do is they do a, a root and branch review of their IT infrastructure and decide what type of business they want to run, what type of employee um, uh, workforce they want to have, how much time do people want to spend at home, and reconstruct their entire IT infrastructure with cybersecurity in mind. And a key, very key part of that solution uh, would be a full private cloud solution. Uh, that's a very um, a powerful technology when it comes to to protecting business owners against a cyber attack and in that model all the all the business owners data all the business owner software even the virtual laptops or, or virtual uh, pcs that the employees use are located within a private secure uh, cloud environment so there's no data moved around the place there there, there are, are no uh, there's no data in your employees home so what you end up with is is a totally secure uh, bubble where all your systems, your software, your data are, are located. And that's a great starting point. Okay, well, look, that's solid advice and hopefully people will take it on board. Uh, Radius.ie is the website if people want to get in contact with you. But for now, Kevin O'Regan, Director of Radius Cork, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, Jonathan, thanks very much for your time. Appreciate it. My thanks, as always, to all of my guests. Don't forget, you can download every episode right now from redextra.ie. Kieran McDonough was the producer again this week, and we'll catch you on the next one. Red Business. All that's best about business in Cork.